I know 2022 brought surprises, plots and twists. It brought us new shows that we got to watch. For some of us, it brought weight loss. For some of us, it brought weight gain. The stock market took us on a ride or something like that. It brought sickness, death, life, new birth, conversions. It brought us moments when politicians encouraged us and moments when politicians let us down. And around the turn of the year, every, every year, there's a phrase I just I press into and I speak it over you, that it's a new year, but it's the same God. The new year, the same God. So no matter, matter what ride we find ourselves on in 2023, it's the same God who has sustained us in every other year that we have lived in our lives. So open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today. I want to talk about what it means to be awake and to stay awake in God. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, something in my throat. Uh, I want to talk about awakening. Our vision centers around the word awakening. And as for years, for a couple of hundred years in the United States, awakening has been a word that is used to talk about revivals. It's a word that is used to talk about what it means to be awake for God, that the Spirit of God wakes us up to open up our eyes to see what God is doing. So I'm not talking about, or we're not talking about, when we, when we say awake or awakening, we're not talking about not sleeping or not napping. We're talking about all the distractions that keep us from focusing on God. So this is, where I want to, this is what I want to talk about today. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says this, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake. Some of your versions say be alert, but it's a, it's, a word, it's a phrase, be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And this word that Paul uses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 about be awake, it's the same word Jesus uses in Mark chapter 14, verse 37, when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in verse 37, it says, he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Three different times in Mark chapter 14, Jesus tells his apostles, keep awake, could you not stay awake, keep awake. Three different times he tells them to, to stay awake, keep awake. This isn't like don't go to sleep or don't nap, it's to be spiritually alert because maybe God is doing something that he wants our eyes to see and our hearts to see. So I didn't choose to talk about keeping awake on New Year's Day because I knew you were up late last night on New Year's Eve. So maybe this is how I challenge people to stay awake in church. That's, that's not my intention. How many of you stayed awake to midnight last night? Just a show of hands. Maybe you put your hands down. How many of you went to sleep before midnight last night? A show of hands. Amen. Our family were in a text group yesterday because we mess around. Like we, we joke with my dad all the time. My dad never stays up until midnight on New Year's Eve. My dad never stays up until midnight any time of the year like he is a guy of rhythm like he goes to bed at 9 45 or 10 so we were joking with him around one o'clock yesterday dad did you already celebrate new year's with sydney australia or or tel aviv or athens greece and so he was asleep by probably 10 o'clock but i know for those of us who did stay up until midnight this afternoon it may feel nice for us to sit on our couch maybe take a nap i've talked to you before casey and i approach napping much differently i hate naps she loves them I think they're a waste of time. There's a life to be lived. She thinks they are glorious. She considers them a hobby. Now, 
My wife is one of the hardest workers. You will never hear anybody use the word lazy to talk about Casey. But, but you, you know, if you're ever in a group or you're getting to know people and they're like, tell us your name and something about you. Casey before has said, my name is Casey and I like to take naps. And everybody laughs like she's joking and she's like, no, seriously, like I, I really enjoy it. Like it's a hobby of mine. I like, to, I like to take naps. The only place I can nap is the only place Casey cannot nap, which is airplanes. I can get on a plane and sleep like a baby. She gets on a plane and cannot sleep at all. So when we were traveling back from Israel with a few of you back in April, I met with our team before we got on the plane. And I said, look, I want to encourage everybody. You need to try to stay awake for four hours on the airplane. Four hours. Try to stay awake. Drink coffee. Watch a movie. Pinch yourself. Whatever it takes. Stay awake for four hours. And then when we get back to the U.S., this will help your body adjust better. So I was encouraging everyone, stay awake for four hours, then maybe get you some sleep. I was asleep before the plane took off. I slept for eight hours on the plane. I woke up. I felt great. Casey hadn't slept at all. Show of hands real quick. How many of you, how many of you can sleep on planes? Show of hands. Hands down. How many of you have fallen in sleep at, in school before? Show of hands. Right. Hands down. How many of you have fallen asleep in a movie theater before? Show of hands. Hands down. How many of you have fallen asleep in another preacher's sermon before? Show of hands. Because we're just assuming you have not fallen asleep in one of mine. So it'd have to be another preacher's sermon before. I know many people in this church, if you've been a part of Sycamore View for three or more years, you remember Lee Brown, a guy who was homeless or on the streets of Memphis for around 20 years, came to our church, was a vibrant member of our church for around a decade. And when Lee first came to our church, some of you may remember, Lee would come in this room during a worship service and would snore and sleep through the whole thing. And there were some people who came to some of us leaders saying, man, that guy, he's He's being disrespectful. Somebody needs to talk to him about it. And then we had to kind of coach our church and equip each other that for many of our homeless friends, where they sleep well is in a place where they feel safe and secure. So it's actually a tribute to you that Lee could come in here and sleep good because he felt safe. He could sleep in this room. He could sleep on couches. He could fall asleep on the toilet in the men's restroom for 30 minutes. He could, he's the only person I've never ever known who could sleep standing up. Some of you have been in lines at fast food restaurants with Lee before where he would go to sleep standing up and you would have to carefully nudge him because when Lee woke up sometimes he would be ready to fight somebody. Had to carefully nudge him and move him along and he may fall asleep again. He could sleep almost anywhere. I want to talk about what it means to stay awake today. But it's not stay awake like don't go to sleep or don't take naps. I want to talk about staying awake and keeping awake to like have eyes open to see what God is doing and, and to realize there are so many distractions in our lives that maybe Satan this year in 2023, maybe his goal in your life is not to turn you from Jesus or turn you from faith, but to keep you so distracted in life that your eyes are unable to see what God is doing around you or what God wants for you. First Thessalonians, there are kind of two problems they had going on in the church. One was anxiety and one was anticipation. So months ago, months ago, I knew I was preaching on New Year's Day. I read First Thessalonians, and I came to chapter 5, and I was like, that's the New Year's sermon. So I don't know if I found the sermon or the sermon found me. I was like, that's what I want to preach on New Year's Day. 
And it's not that I wanted to preach this because I look at you every Sunday and think those are people who are overly anxious. I just know we live in a culture where most of us battle some form of anxiety that we get anxious about things. And I know we also anticipate things. We anticipate, hopefully in some way, we anticipate this being a year of faith, this being a year of growth. We also anticipate things for people we love and people we know. So there's anxieties and and there's anticipation. Now for them, their anxiety was, has Jesus come back? Like, has the day of the Lord already arrived? Or is it right around the corner? Their anticipation was, how do we wait? Like, what do we do when we wait? Because if you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, like there's, there's teaching going on in the life of the church of maybe Jesus has already come back, we just don't know it yet, or he's about to come back. And if so, how do we wait? And in our waiting, do we still work? Do we still engage? Do we still seek and save the lost? The city of Thessalonica was a booming city. I've been able to walk the streets with our missionary Dino of Thessalonica before, and it's right up against it's right up against the bay, so easy access to water. They would it was a seaport, and from Thessalonica there was a major road that would take you to Philippi, that would take you to what we now know as Greece and Corinth. Like it was a major city, and and we also know there was a synagogue there. And you want to read how the church in Thessalonica started? Read Acts chapter seventeen. It tells you all about it. Paul went to Thessalonica. He met with the Christians. He met with people. People came to know Jesus. And what you read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and in verse uh, 6 and 7, or I'm sorry, Acts 17, verse 6 and 7, it says this, When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city authorities, and they shouted, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has entertained them as guests. And they're all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there's another king named Jesus. Now let's stay there just for a moment. The way Acts 17 describes this moment, and the way people were describing Christians is, those are people who are turning the world upside down because they're giving their allegiance to some other king named Jesus. And all that they said was true. They had believed in a message that was turning the world upside down. Because sometimes churches get too safe. Sometimes our thinking of God, and in our thinking of God, we imagine God being one who is too safe. Where C.S. Lewis and Narnia does a great job of teaching us that our God cannot be tamed. Maybe churches shouldn't be the safest place in the world because we have been given a mission that should turn the world upside down a little bit. Shake things up. Call people to a new way of life that our own lives have been turned upside down by Jesus. Like, it's a way to live. Like, they, they bought into it. They were believing it. But then what happened in Thessalonica was persecution, it increased. And as persecution was increasing, there was this thinking going on of, okay, Jesus is coming back maybe tomorrow, or maybe he's already come back. What do we do with the reality of Jesus coming back? And if so, how do we wait? How do we work Like if God were to come to you today and say, I am coming back, Jesus is coming back next Saturday, would you go to work this week? Like aren't there some things that would probably change in your life? So you had people in in the church, Christians in Thessalonica, who now are questioning how they engage the city, how they engage culture. Do they seek and save the lost? If Jesus has already come back or he's coming back tomorrow, like does this light a fire under you? 
or does it cause a little complacency to set in? So Paul writes for two main reasons, and let me walk you through them. The first is this. Paul wrote to them for their perseverance. He wanted to thank them for how they were persevering in faith. And it's one of the reasons I wanted just to preach this on New Year's Day was to use some of the same language Paul spoke over them to speak over you. Thanking this church for years of persevering in faith. That we are not a perfect expression of the kingdom of God, but we long to be a faithful expression of the kingdom of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place where your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. In chapter 2, verse 13, we also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. And I want to skip the, the Lacey, if you'll skip the uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, and go to chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, because I was afraid that somehow the tempter had tempted you and that our labor had been in vain. Multiple times he's writing and just thanking them for ways that their faith had persevered, reminding them of these moments, praising them, thanking them for who they are. And I've had a few of these moments with you in my own life. Uh, you, m many of you know my sister passed away on February 22nd of 2010. And a few years after that, February 22nd, was on a Sunday morning. I woke up to come preach. When I woke up to preach, Casey had a little itchy throat, so she decided to stay home. That morning, she went to a clinic, found out she had strep throat, and the person who saw her at the clinic thought that she had something going on where her uh, throat was closing in and told her, you need to get to the ER right now. So I preached the sermon, stepped down from the stage. Stoney Ramsey met me in the back and said, hey, here's what has happened. Leanne, Stoney's wife, has your wife at the ER. Your kids are taken care of. You need to get in your car and go now. So the day my sister had died from strep throat, now my wife has been sent to the ER with strep throat. Sometimes life's just cruel, right? I got in my car, I went to the ER. Thankfully, everything was fine with Casey. The, the person, you know, they were a little concerned for her throat closing, but it really wasn't happening, so we just got slapped with a nice little ER bill. Amen, right? But what happened when Leanne took Casey in is the ER nurse who sat them down said, I think I know you. And that ER nurse had been coming to the clothing cell at Sycamore View for years. So she connected Leanne to Sycamore View to a ministry that has blessed thousands of families throughout our community. These things happen every once in a while. I have, I've had two different occasions at the Memphis airport where TSA has asked to pull me aside, which you never want to happen. The first was a guy I was, I was going through, and, you know, going through security at airports can create anxiety anyway. I was going through. I get all the way up. They see my lights, and the guy said, can I talk to you just for a moment? Which you never want to hear an agent say, right? Can I talk to you for a moment? 
He said, you're Josh Ross. You're the pastor of Sycamore View. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a minister at, Sycamore, at the Sycamore View Church. He said, my kids have been in the Parents' Day Out program. And just wanted to thank you and your church for ways you have blessed my family. A few months later, it was a different TSA agent who asked, can I talk to you for just a moment? And now I'm hoping that I run too many red lights in Memphis. You know, have I been blacklisted throughout the United States? What has happened? She said, you're the minister at Sycamore View. Somebody sent me a link to your church, and I try to jump on every Sunday where I worship with you. I hear your preaching. I just want to thank you for who you are. Casey and I went on our 15th anniversary trip to Greece and to Italy, and we're in the little bitty island of Mykonos, walking down an alley when somebody said, excuse me, are you from Memphis? Now, if you're ever in an alley anywhere, <laughs> you don't want to talk to anybody, right? I was wearing my red Choose 901 Sycamore View Church t-shirt that day. And he said, are you from Memphis? I said, I am. He said, are you at the Sycamore View Church? I said, I am. He said, I know the Sycamore View Church. I've never been there, but I know your partnership with the Boys and Girls Club and started talking about our reputation in the community. Like these things just happen sometimes where the way this church has engaged the community around us has become a witness without us even having to speak words. It's just become a witness. Now, we all know there are things we need to work on as a church too. We need to get better at helping people connect in deeper relationships. We, we want God to grow the way we pray. We need God to give us a deeper burden for people disconnected from Jesus. Like we know there are things that God wants us to get better at. But I want to thank us for the faith and the perseverance that has lived out in the life of this church. And it's one thing Paul wanted them to hear from him. Like, I just want you to know I'm thanking you for your faith. And then Paul challenged them on one thing in chapter 4. He challenges them on, on holiness, which I think could be a really good word today for men and women. And as a man who has worked with other men who has struggled in this area, I think this can be a challenge for some men in this room today. Because in chapter 4, he challenged them with holiness. He's also writing in a time, in a culture, in a context where mistresses was just kind of the way to go. It just seemed to be the way of life. So he's pushing them and challenging them. And what he says in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, is for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that each one of you knows how to control your own body in holiness and honor. And then in verse 7 and 8, it's, For God did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this rejects not human authority, but God, who also gives his Holy Spirit to you. So when Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, one of the messages like he's writing to them is that you started really well, but they were young and they were vulnerable. Like they started their faith journey really well, but it was fading. They started well, but at some point they got distracted. Doesn't this happen to us sometimes too? Like sometimes we can start things well, but then we get distracted. And we begin to question purpose or, or we lose passion. And this is not my attempt for any of you who have made goals for 23 or resolutions for 2023 to say, uh, you know, you're going to probably not make it to February. This is not my way of saying that. If you've made goals and resolutions to help yourself and to grow in faith and goals that would make you a better person to love God better and to bless the world, go for it. I would love to be able to pray with you as you try to live deeper into those. 
but just realize Satan's going to do everything he can to distract you. Keep going. Don't stop. Embrace it as a process. And now I want to walk you through 11 verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, fairly quickly. And here are the 11 verses. In 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul begins by saying this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And when they say there is peace and security, which most likely Rome is the one saying this, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And there will be no escape. Now here, like what Paul is saying right here is, hey, I don't even need to try to write to you about the end of times because even Jesus said he doesn't know when it's going to happen. So quit trying to guess and quit trying to circle a date. Like you can't do it. Like Jesus said he doesn't even know. (coughs) So I don't even need to write to you about it. And then in verse 4, he says this, but you. Those are two pretty big words in the Bible, like, but you. And what he wants to try to remind people of right now is their identity. Like, but you you don't need to be the people who's trying to guess the end of times, or did Jesus already come back, or is he about to come back? But you, beloved, you're not in the darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. And then in verse 6, he says this, So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. Now this phrase, keep awake, if you're taking notes in your Bible, it's this, it is to be in constant readiness, and I love this, it is to, it's to remain fully alive. Like, that's what it means. In the garden, when Jesus was telling this, his apostles to keep awake, it wasn't just don't take a nap. It was be fully alive, because in this moment, there's something God wants to teach you. There's a way God is trying to encounter you. And then in verse 8, Paul says this, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. And so I I think he probably wrote this before he wrote Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. So apparently this this was stuff that Paul was thinking about all the time. Like, how do we protect ourselves? How do we fight the enemy? So he's using this language of how you protect and faith and love and helmet of salvation. And in verse 9 and 10 he says this, For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we, we will live with him. And then he ends with this right here. Therefore encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. So this theme emerges. Keep awake. Like, be spiritually alert. Because it is possible to live life with your eyes open, but not to be awake to God. Like, it's possible for you to have your eyes open, like seeing things around you, but not be awake to God. So live with awareness. And for some of you today, maybe you're just thinking, man, I've been sleeping on God for far too long. May this be a day that God wakes you up. Some of you may this morning, you may be thinking, I'm unaware. You may be unaware of how distracted you are in life. Let God wake you up. And for some of you, you are fully aware of how distracted you are in life. Yet maybe you're not doing anything about it. Let God wake you up. Jesus died for your sin. 
not just to redeem your past, but that so you can live in the present and live into the future. So today, may this idea of staying awake and being alert for God, may this be over the next few minutes what guides us in our time of prayer and at the table. That as we take the bread and the cup, may Jesus wake us up to all it is he has done for us and to what it is he wants to continue to do in us. Happy New Year. May the favor of God be upon you and upon this church in 2023. I want to ask the elders, if you will, uh, I forget who's up front and in the back. I see John French move in. I don't know who the elder is up front, but they are here to receive you for prayer this morning if there's anything they can do for you. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we will go to the table and have a, just a few minutes of reflection and time with God and a time with each other. Let's bow our heads. So God, through the Holy Spirit, this morning, wake us up. Whether it's with a shout, a whisper, a nudge, we just pray, God, in this moment that you speak to us, remind us of things, tap on our hearts. And in this moment, as we move around and we are able to have eyes open just to see each other a little bit, in this moment, help us, God, to encourage one another, to build each other up, and God, we pray that this is a year that you will limit distractions in our lives and help us to be awake and alert for what it is you're speaking to us and how it is you want to use us. Jesus, for your sacrifice, it gives us hope today of life forever. So through your bread and this cup, we are reminded of the story that we have been grafted into and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. And the whole church said, Amen.